0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today, I want to preach to you on the subject of guilty, guilty. Mandy and I are fascinated with true life crime documentaries. We love this. Uh, it. it is just kind of our thing to do. If we have a day that, that neither one of us have anything to do and, and we don't feel like getting out, we have been known to binge-watch an entire season um, of a of, of particular documentary before, because we just love that. I mean, we love with every episode how the facts are presented to either prove innocence or to prove guilt. And, and many times as we're watching it, you get to the end of an episode and, and Mandy will look over at me on the couch and she'll be like, do you think he did it? And, and, and it's like every episode that you know, something changes with the facts that are being presented. And one of the most intriguing documentaries that, that ha- has caught our attention was the Netflix original, Making a Murderer. I don't know if any of you have watched it, just by show of hands, if you've watched it. Okay, Good. Let me show of hands. How many of you went and saw Garth Brooks last night? Let me see that. (laughs) There's more people in the room that saw Garth Brooks than making a murderer. Okay. Um, So now don't get worried. For those of you that have been here for the past three weeks with our our series, Spoiler Alert, um, that series is over. So I'm not about to give the end of this documentary away in in any way. Um, I know some of you are are sweating and take your fingers out of your ears. If they got their fingers in their ears, tell them they can take it out. Um, But Making a Murderer tells the story of Stephen Avery, who served 18 years in prison for the wrongful conviction of sexual assault and attempted murder. And in the very first episode of this this docu-series, um, the, the very first episode reveals that the evidence later proved him to be innocent and he was exonerated of all the charges. The problem is he spent 18 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. And so with this civil suit now pending uh, against Manitowoc County, there was another murder that that transpired and the documentary presents evidence as to the possibility that he was framed for the second crime, thus making the name Making a Murderer, uh, suggesting that, that they are making him out to be the murderer. You know, I have some fears in my life. One, one of my fears is the fear of heights. I don't like heights at all. And it's just a shame that God made me six foot two. I, I don't know why. It's like with every step, it's like, whoo, oh, you know, but, <laughs> but it just seems like life would have been easier at five foot eight, I don't know. But that's one of my fears, but probably one of my greatest fears is being convicted for a crime that I did not commit. I, I'm telling you, it, it, it'll cause you to rethink something. It's been a real like, legitimate fear of mine throughout my life that I, I've been concerned about one day having to do time for a, a crime that I did not commit. And so this will make you rethink picking up things. So for all of you that have kids that, that you know, have a habit of like picking things up that they shouldn't pick up all the time, tell them. You'll be a murderer one day. Be careful. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't, like if I walk by a hammer and I don't know whose hammer it is, I'm not picking it up. (laughs) You know, if there's just a knife laying around somewhere, I'm not picking it up. I don't want my fingerprints on that. If you're walking down the sidewalk and there's a baseball bat standing there, or laying there, leave it there. Just leave it there. Don't pick it. You don't know what it's been used for and you don't want your fingerprints on that. I'm serious. This is the way I think. I don't want to be framed for something that I did not do. And so this is a legitimate fear for me. I have absolutely no problem with going to prison for something that I actually did do. Okay, that's not, no, if I did it, I deserve it, okay? But going to prison for something that I did not do, that that terrifies me. Truth be told, We're all guilty. There's not one person in this room that is not guilty. We are all guilty. And in just a few moments, we're going to go to Luke chapter 23, and that's going to be our main text for today. But in order to to set it up and to get us there, I need to start... With the Apostle Paul's writings to the church in Ephesus. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there, it's going to be on the screen. But I want you to get these thoughts in your head of what Paul is telling us so that it sets up Luke 23 in just a few moments. So listen to what Paul says Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Now he's talking to us, okay? You were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we're all in this thing together. We are all guilty In our trespasses and in our sin but I like verse 4 listen to verse 4 but God somebody say but God but God God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved somebody say amen to that by grace you have been saved not by what you did and not by what you didn't do. You've been saved by grace and grace alone. That means you can't dot every I and cross every T enough times. You can't get enough things right in life to uh, obtain your salvation. It is not by anything that you have done, and it's not by anything that you haven't done. That means if you think, well, I didn't sin this week, so, so I must be a pretty good Christian. No, you, there's not enough things that, that of sin that you don't do in your life that helps you obtain your salvation. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by Jesus and the work that he did on the cross and the resurrection that came after. That is how you are saved. No other reason. There is only one way to God the Father, and it is through Jesus Christ our Lord you were guilty and there was more than enough evidence to convict you I was guilty and there was more than enough evidence to convict me you should have been sentenced to death I should have been sentenced to death but God you know it reminds me of this billboard that was on display in Greensboro North Carolina, and and it's an attorney at law that's advertising on this billboard. His name is Larry L. Archie And on Larry L. Archie attorney at law on his billboard. He had this phrase Just because you did it doesn't make you guilty now, I don't know about you, but If I did something wrong, that's the guy I want representing me right there (laughs) Just because you did it doesn't make you guilty now, now, I, I understand this, this is not the best morality. I'm not even trying to hang my hat on this being moral in any way. But it is great theology. Just because you did it, doesn't make you guilty. God was so rich in mercy that it spilled over into our lives. Do you understand what that means? That God is so rich in mercy. Have you ever had that person in your life that they had money and they like to flaunt it? You know, like every time you go out to lunch, they want to pick up the bill. I mean, it's fun for like the first 20 times. (laughs) But after that, I must draw the line, you know? I'm a pastor. I cannot be bought. But I like for you to try You've met those people before right that that they just they they just throw their money around for everybody to see it I mean they they pull up in their new Mercedes and 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 listen if you drive a Mercedes I'm not picking on you right now. I'd rather have my Jeep Wrangler than your Mercedes any day Okay, and and listen it, it doesn't make me a better dad. It just means I'm a cooler dad. So so You park your Mercedes In two parking spots so that nobody will ding your precious doors just flaunting it out there for everybody to see that you've got money That's what God did. He was so rich in mercy Had so much mercy that he could not contain it He was so rich in mercy that he just decided I'll just flaunt it He's kind of like Oprah You get mercy and you get mercy and you get mercy and you get everybody's getting mercy and that's how God works That's what God does for our lives. He is so rich in mercy that he just keeps passing it out That if you call on the name of Jesus you get mercy Today I want us to look at the trial of Jesus and I have to tell you that This is not the way I normally like to preach although I believe I preach in a way that is very scripturally backed and, and I, I do love God's word. And, and those of you that come here, you know I, I, I use God's word as our driving force with every sermon that we have. But today I need to read a lot of verses. And, and I don't want you to look at this as just, as just another biblical passage or just another biblical text. What I'm doing today is a documentary. We are going to, to view a documentary and, and, and to make it to where I can keep your attention with this. Every so often, I want to interject my commentary. And so we'll do a lot of stopping and starting along the way. But this is a documentary, and today we all get to watch this together to see if he was guilty or if he was not guilty, okay? That's where we're heading. So let me kind of set this up for you before we get to Luke chapter 23. Jesus has completed three years of life-changing ministry and I say it's life-changing because if if your eyes were blind and now they're open that's life-changing if you were crippled and now you walk that's life-changing if your son was dead and now he's living that's life-changing and people that came into contact with Jesus Their lives were changed, and after three years of life-changing ministry, Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends, one of the 12 disciples, a man by the name of Judas. Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the temple guard came and arrested him with the chief priests. And it's interesting that Jesus made no attempt whatsoever to resist arrest. And in this knee-jerk reaction one of the other disciples by the name of Peter he 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 draws a sword and and he reaches up and he cuts the ear off of one of the servants of one of the high priests and when he does this Jesus steps up and he says stop this is not the way this is supposed to happen Peter if you live by the sword you'll die by the sword and Jesus bends over and he picks up this man's ear And he slaps it back on the side of his head and heals this man. Even in the darkest hour of his life, the man was doing good. At a time when you've got every right to say, no, I'm not helping anyone else. You're not appreciative of what I'm doing for you. I'm not going the extra mile anymore. In the middle of all of that, He still has life-changing power and he changes that man's life But this night was about to get crazy Because the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead he is messing up their religion They want to control people with their legalistic mindset The way they worship God is the way they want you to worship God and they certainly don't need anyone walking around claiming to be the son of God and so they are threatened by Jesus, and they want him dead, but they have a problem because Rome rules that area. They must have Roman approval before they can execute Jesus. So Luke 23, let's start watching this documentary. Luke 23, starting at verse 1. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Now recognize this church, this is a half truth. He's never once told anyone not to pay their taxes to the Roman government, but he did claim to be the Messiah, the king. Verse three, so Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching, wherever he goes all over Judea from Galilee to Jerusalem And, and church. That's, that's completely false. That is a bold faced lie. He was not causing riots. Verse six. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked, When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. Herod's excited about it. He's heard about this miracle working power. And and so Herod is like, you know, come on in, man. Let can can you perform a miracle? Somebody get me a sword. I want to cut off somebody's ear or something. Let's let's see a miracle. And Jesus just stands there. Jesus is just standing still. He's hoping that he will perform a miracle. He asked Jesus, verse 9, he asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. My wife recently was called to, to jury duty. She didn't get selected for the jury, but she had to be there. And Mandy's got this, what she believes is a foolproof plan to get out of jury duty. She's been working on this for years, and, and here's her method. Here's what she says works. And I know, I know everybody has that duty and everybody's supposed to do it, but none of us want to, okay? But, but she, she, this is her method. Here's, here's how she wants to do it. If they ask her the question, if the defendant does not testify... Would you say that they are guilty? And Mandy's answer is always, yeah, if they won't testify, they're guilty. They're hiding something. They don't, they don't want to get on the stand. If 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 they're if they won't speak on their own behalf, they're guilty. Do you realize what just happened? If Mandy would have been present when Jesus was on trial, she just crucified Jesus. <laughs> the man's not saying a word. He is just they're asking question after question. And and Herod can't get a response out of it. He just stands there in silence. Mandy's like, guilty, go. Verse 10, meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. These are some angry people. They're shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. And I love verse 12. Herod and Pilate who had been enemies before became friends that day isn't that interesting it's interesting how jesus brings people together that even in their hate of him people will join forces to ridicule him verse 13 then pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people and he announced his verdict you brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. He says, I'll just, I'll just have him beaten and then, and then we'll let him go because there's really no grounds for him to be executed. Verse 18. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted kill him and release Barabbas to us Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder Pilate urged with them because he wanted to release Jesus But they kept shouting crucify him crucify him for the third time. He demanded why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death, so I will have him flogged and then I will release him But the mob shouted louder and louder demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed you ever had that happen You know sometimes the squeaky wheel looks more like an 18-wheeler Because those voices unite and 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 soon you'll start believing what they're saying about you if you're not careful And it says their voices prevailed in this court of law. So, Pilate, verse 24, so Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Church, do you understand what just happened? Barabbas was actually guilty, he had already been on trial. The verdict had been announced. He is awaiting death. This man is guilty. He was involved in a revolt against the government and he killed someone. He is in prison for murder. What is wrong with these people? That you would rather release a murderer into society than a man that knew no sin? doesn't make sense but 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 jesus has a way of bringing the worst and the best out in people in my experience this is what i see that that jesus if you get on board with 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 his plan for your life and you receive that 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 free gift of salvation into your life he will bring out the very best in you but but if you push back on that If you refuse his love, if you refuse his grace in your life, it will bring out the very worst in you if you're not careful. And some people would rather be miserable in their sin than joyful in their salvation. And these people would rather see a guilty man release than Jesus release. And they did not have enough evidence to convict him, but they still wanted to make a criminal out of him. Look at verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, "'If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself!' A sign was fastened above him with these words, "'This is the king of the Jews.'" One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, "'So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it.'" But the other criminals protested, but the other criminal protested, "'Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die?' We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, and with those words he breathed his last. A sinless man, crucified between two criminals. This does not make sense. A man that there is not enough evidence to convict him is now hanging on a cross between these two men that deserve to be there. And as strange as it sounds, church, this is not a coincidence because God told us hundreds of years earlier through the prophet Isaiah that his son would be numbered with the transgressors. What God told us is that his son was going to be associated with criminals. He will be numbered among the transgressors. He he told us that his son would rub shoulders with those that the society would outcast. That's the kind of people that he would be numbered with. Now there's a reason, church, why there are two crosses next to Christ, one on each side. And there's a reason why Jesus is in the center. The three crosses symbolize one of God's greatest gifts to humanity, the free will to choose. And because of this free will that we have we don't understand the magnitude of how much God loves us. That God would give you the choice. You see, today in this room right now, you have a choice. You can either choose to accept the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, or you can choose not to. The choice is yours, and God is not some, some dictator that is, is trying to make everyone bow to him. No, God gives you the choice on whether or not you want to to accept Christ or not accept Christ. Whether you want to receive his love or not receive his love. And it is the gift of choice. It is one of the greatest gifts that he could ever give you. Think about these criminals and how much that they have in common. Both of these men, one on the right, one on the left, they, they are both convicted. They've been on trial. They've both been convicted. They're both condemned to death. Whatever it is that they did wrong, it was was enough to justify them being crucified. They are both surrounded by the same crowd. But what messes with me the most is that they are both equally close to the same Jesus. But only one of them would accept him as the Son of God and ask him to forgive him. Jesus gave both criminals the same choice and today he gives us the same choice when one thief prayed Jesus loved him enough to save him when the other mocked him Jesus loved him enough to let him mock him I want you to take just a few moments as we close this, this sermon out and I want you to look at the charges against Jesus with me let's go ahead and and file a verdict today On these charges let's let's just go ahead and put it to rest and and let's let's determine if he's guilty or not guilty The first charge brought against him was tax evasion He's not guilty His own words in mark chapter 12 verse 17. He said well then Jesus Said give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God? He wasn't trying to convince people not to pay their taxes to the Roman government what about the conspiracy to overthrow the Roman government? Not guilty. John 18 and 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. He wasn't trying to overthrow the Roman government. What about blasphemy? Claiming or falsely claiming to be God? Blasphemy. Not guilty. He was God. It wasn't blasphemous. It was factual. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, What about Colossians 1 and 15? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And and in just three days, His divinity would no longer be in question. I, I like the words of the great Bill Gaither song that we actually sang this morning at the sunrise service. When it says... An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. That empty tomb is all the evidence that we need to know that he didn't think he was God. He knew he was God. And my Savior lives, and he proves that with his resurrection power, not only in his life, but also in my life. He's God. But before you walk out of this room today, I I hate to burst your bubble, but I've got to tell you, Jesus was not completely innocent. He was guilty. He was guilty by association. So, a few years ago, we were playing golf at Apollo Beach. It was me, my dad, and a couple of my brothers it was late in the day, and we were on hole 16, and hole 16, I've played it many times, the fairway, the fairway runs and up alongside of a canal that sits on the right-hand side. Across that canal, there are houses that are fairly close to the canal, and I remember my brother got up, and, and he was getting ready to tee off, and, and um, when he takes his swing and he hits... This golf ball, it's, it's soaring, it's flying, it's, it's a good shot until it starts telling off at the end and it's heading towards the canal. And I'm thinking, man, it's about to splash. Well, it sails over the canal and it hits the top of a house. Not just any house. It was one of those houses that has the Mediterranean tile on top of the house. So when it hit, it sounded like a gunshot, it was like, and I remember we were all like, ooh, I hope nobody's home. Then it was my turn to hit. So I got up, and I hit my golf shot. And when I did, it's going down the fairway, and then it starts tailing off at the end, heading towards the canal, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And it takes a hop before the canal, and it stops, in some of the thick rough there, and it doesn't go in the water because I'm a better golfer than my brother. And I remember we got in the golf cart and we started riding up to where my ball was at. And as we get closer, the homeowner of the house that he hits, they they come off their back porch and they walk all the way out to the the water's edge there to the canal and they're just kind of standing there just bowed up, just. Now, normally I would wanna shout at them, don't live on a golf course but people are crazy these days you know and I don't know I don't know what's up I don't know man, do they have a gun you know were they walking down the sidewalk found a baseball bat and picked it up you know you never know you never know and, and I remember we're pulling up and and I didn't hit their house I didn't I should have nothing to be worried about right but I'm guilty by association because my moron brother hit their house And I remember we're pulling up, and I'm like, I got to get out of this cart, and I got to explain to them it wasn't me, it was my brother. You know, my ball's right here. Say, I don't want them to think that that second ball is my mulligan. That I hit their house on the first one, and there's my second shot. I don't want them thinking that. Now, if Jesus is riding in our cart, here's what Jesus does He gets out of the cart, He steps up, He looks at the homeowner, and says, Don't blame them. I'm the one to blame. this isn't their fault. I'm the one guilty of this. That's what Jesus does for us. If he's guilty of anything, he's guilty of, he's guilty by association. Just because he aligns himself up with me, just because he aligns himself up with you, he aligned himself up with humanity and and, and we're all as guilty as sin. We know it, right? Your grandmother ever used that term? You're guilty as sin. I am guilty as sin. Because I'm guilty in my sin. But he took all that away. He was the sin offering. He was the guilt offering. Everything that I should have been charged for, he took all of that on himself. He is guilty of reckless love for me. He's guilty of reckless love for you. He's guilty of loving me when I was still a sinner. And he's guilty of doing the time for my crime. And he will be guilty of doing the time for your crime if you'll let him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.